This is an indie web podcast recorded May 19th, 2019, episode number 14. Uh, once again, I am joined by Chris Aldrich, who can be found at bafosaco.com. And I am, of course, M. David Shansky, and I can be found at david.shansky.com. And according to our records, we have not recorded an episode of this particular podcast since January 28th of this year. Yep, it seems like we talk a couple times a week, and I think we just forgot to turn the recorder on in the in the erstwhile. Well, uh, there's always a lot going on, as you know. Uh, you have life, I hear. Oh, yeah. Things are busy always. Yeah. And I have things going on. Um, One of these days we'll quit our day jobs and just do, you know, IndieWeb professionally. If you want to find somebody who wants me to do IndieWeb professionally. Yeah, we just got to get somebody to, you know, shell out some money for it. Well, I do have periods of time where I do not want to do IndieWeb things. Yeah. You know. um, how about after three weeks of IndieWeb camps? I think I need to do something else <laughs> for a while. You need a little bit of a break. Well, um one does not live by indie web camp alone. You know, there are other things that I have to do. For example, uh, I spent some time cleaning my apartment. It's gotten a little messy. Yeah. Uh, and like I spent that. some time making a list of all the indie web camps I've ever been to. Yeah. It's, it's like that old adage. I don't just stand, you know, I don't just sit here, you know, waiting for the next in holding my breath, waiting for the next indie web camp to show up. Sometimes my face turns blue and I pass out and fall on the floor. That's never happened to me. No. Well, I you know I, d I did think about doing another indie web camp next weekend, but I figured four in a row would just be too much. Well, I keep trying to convince so, you to do an indie web camp LA. Yeah. Well, we're working I, on it. We're working. I, I, on it. I have offered that if you can find a week that I that I am available, that I will just pull this ticket off of my desk and have it issued for that trip. <laughs> we're working on it. Hopefully, in the next two weeks, we'll have something nailed in. Maybe. No promises, but we're working on it. Um, I'm busy next uh, weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend in the United States. Yeah. Oh no, no. Well, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm saying in two weeks we'll have one planned and we'll put it on a calendar and start uh, working yeah, towards I'm it. Yeah, I'm also busy. Uh, let's see. Right after Memorial Day, I was told to keep the week free. My boss said that he might have something for me to do. And then no, the I was going to say, was that? that I'm busy. It's a holiday. Okay. There you go. But outside of that, we're. Maybe okay. Yeah. Um, after that, I was told to keep the entire summer free. So I have nothing scheduled at the moment for the summer. There you go. Uh, because I might have to go somewhere. Uh, which last time, as you recall, the last time I, I went somewhere and had nothing to do but work, I got a lot of indie web things done. Yeah. So it's possible that'll happen again. Maybe I can finally finish that web mention project that I keep putting off. <laughs> well, you put it off for good reasons, though, usually. Uh, well, I usually stop to do any sort of bug fixes that need to be done. And uh, also because it is a slow process, it's uh, trying to figure out a new way to do something that we've been doing the same way for five years. Since before web mentions was standard. So figuring out a better way to do that is hard. There's actually, I think there's been five indie web camps since we... We did the last episode. Is that possible? Uh, well, let's talk about all the ones that I have on my list. So we last did the episode in January. There was one in February in Austin. Yep. Uh, then there was in March Indie Web Camp Online. Uh, then you oh, have six because then there was New Haven. Uh, yes, okay. 
And, uh, of course, um, New Haven uh, was an interesting experience. I got to go duck pin bowling. <laughs> you see what you missed by not showing up? Yeah, well, you know, anyone's first time duck pin bowling is, you know. Well, um, wait, you've lived in New England your whole life, huh? How have you managed to miss duck pin bowling? Because I don't live in New England. I live in New York. It's not part of New England. It we're, is. We're, we're mid-Atlantic. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, because there are no duck pin bowling uh, establishments in New York. I learned this when I was talking to a member of the Congress who um, we met while we were duck pin bowling. A member of the U.S. Congress or the Duck Pin Bowling Congress? The Duck Pin Bowling Conference, of course. Oh, okay. uh, why would a member of the U.S. Congress be talking to me about Duck Pin Bowling? I have no idea, but with you, anything could happen. Yeah, so it was an experience because I've never met a congressman before. Yeah. A Duck Pin Bowling Congressman, of course. But uh, he explained that there, um, that there were no Duck Pin Bowling places in New York. Okay. So I have never been duck pin bowling before. Maybe it's just all of my time in the mid-Atlantic where I saw. Well, maybe you're confusing it with candlestick bowling. Well, that's possible too. Either way, it doesn't matter what type of bowling it is. I stink at bowling. (laughs) Well, it's like anything, practice. You've been practicing at IndieWeb for a while, so you're pretty good at it. I'm not driving to Connecticut. In order to become a duck pin bowling expert, that seems like a bridge too far for me. Well, I don't know. This is at least the second camp I know you've been to where you've done some some other type of duck-related sightseeing. Uh, yes, because on, uh, I have it listed here, December 8th, 2017, I went on to a duck boat. Yeah. And I so survived. If you, keep, if you keep this up, it's forget the chicken posts. You're going to need the duck posts. I don't know. I haven't found any other duck-related uh, indie web things to talk about. Duck watching, duck calling, duck hunting. Uh, we'll figure the, it out. But there was also Indie Web Camp Berlin, which was May 4th and 5th. Uh, that happened. So it went um, Austin, Online, New Haven, Berlin. Then Dusseldorf, right, two weeks ago? Or uh, a weekend ago? A week ago. And this weekend, just ending today, was Indie Web Camp Utrecht. Which I still haven't finished catching up with because of the time, well, time just, zone shift and activities just, um, today. Well, I, I tried to solve that problem. I put little links where you could determine what time each session was in your local time zone. Yeah. But I'm assuming that you did not um, get up at 1 a.m. in order to participate? I was going to bed around 1 a.m., I think, so I just missed. It was almost as if Rose's call to say, hey, we're streaming live now. And I was, you know, crashing. Yeah. Uh, well, I took a nap. So I attended Indie Web Camp Utrecht. Uh, last weekend, I was in Dusseldorf, uh, remotely speaking. Because I did not fly to Dusseldorf. And I did not fly to Utrecht this morning. Um, although uh, this is a podcast. How would anybody know that? Uh, the week before, I did attend Indie Web Camp in person. I decided to, you know, chuck caution to the wind and uh, escape to Germany. And, and I think you, you were, you did go to... New Haven as well. Uh, yes, I, I saw I, you. On, I uh, saw yes. you online at uh, the yeah. online one. Uh, yes, um, and of okay. course, um, I was part of the attendance at Indie Camp New Haven, as you mentioned. I was the only out of town attendee. Um, regrettably, all of the other out of town attendees were remote or had to call off their presence at the last minute. Things happen. Yep. So uh, 
it was an interesting experience. Um, I have not spent that much time in New Haven since I used to volunteer up there on weekends. Hmm. So what was your, uh, did you do a weekend project this weekend for Utrecht? Well, I did clean my desk, um, but one of the projects I was working on was um, I wanted to try to get some streaming rigs up. So for the demos, and you can see it if you watch the video of the demo, I was actually videoing in using Zoom, which is the new demo uh, and conferencing software we've been using. New as in to us. We've mm-hmm. tried it the last few events, and it seems to be fairly reliable. And we can download recordings and record locally. Um, but I hooked up some of, the, of these old, inexpensive Fire tablets that I had lying around here and tried to create a little uh, Fire tablet uh, streaming rig to put into secondary rooms in indie webcams. Cool. It seemed to have worked. So what so I need is a, what? is a few uh, other little minor parts, and I'll have some streaming rigs. Nice. Uh, what I'm missing is... I need a stand to keep the tablet from falling over. I have one, but I have several old tablets. So, And I need some additional speakers and microphones. So I ordered an $8 Bluetooth microphone and speaker to see if for $8 I can get better speaker quality. Oh, that'll be good. So my goal is the budget version of Aaron's solution that he tried, which was the same idea with an iPad. And you cannot get an iPad for the price of an inexpensive Fire tablet. No. It may, when it's not being used, try to show you ads and sell you things, but it is pretty inexpensive. You can get one for like 30 bucks when there's a sale. Yep. That's not bad. It'd be pretty useful. So that means we'll have to have five five different rooms when we do Indie Web Camp LA I'm and looking, try out. I'm looking forward to it. A massive setup there. Well, as long as we have everything taken care of, then why not? We have mm. the rooms recorded so we can download the recordings and put them somewhere else. Although I believe there's a maximum you can record an account, so somebody has to periodically go in there and clean them out. Yeah. And then, you know, we can have all these conversations. We can use, um, and if I hadn't misunderstood the password for the last virtual Humber website club, we could have used Zoom. <laughs> uh, there, there could be using it now, the, but. There was a word in the sentence that Aaron, who gave me the password, uh, said that uh, was actually a part of the password and i thought it was part of his sentence oh (laughs) yeah well uh that's a that's a only a temporary problem so i i think i now got into that but i have uh credentials we have three rooms that we can use so we have three accounts and we might as well take advantage of them because they're being paid for excellent have to do more uh maybe we'll test uh with uh, the next virtual homebrew website club yeah and Maybe we'll do some of those. Uh, we discussed it after online doing sessions just because. So rather than you know having a homebrew website club saying, tonight we're going to talk about X. Oh, ad hoc sessions. We could do that too. Yeah. Why can't the indie web camp continue forever? Yeah. Well, you know, I the way I look at it, the indie web camp is an ongoing thing 24-7. It yeah. just lives. It lives in the chat. Well, you know, when we're not, uh, what what was that? What did that article say about uh, the one from the New Yorker? Uh, let's see, I forget exactly how they how they described it. Oh yes, uh, a loose, uh, we're a loose collective of developers and techno utopians. <laughs> I, I never thought of myself as either of those things. I don't know about you. Are you a techno utopian? Um, 
I think a lot of us actually spend a good bit of time talking about doom and gloom and hoping that it doesn't happen. But um, Well, utopian in the sense, are are we trying to create an online utopia or are we just trying to pursue our philosophy for how things should be and encourage other people to do the same? Yeah. Or I, don't know, well, I don't know if that's called the utopian. Um, but. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there can be an online utopian. I've seen too many things I can't unsee. Also, uh, but at the um, same but at the same time I know programmers? I generally know how to not do that. Well, we are a collection of programmers most of us, but there are a good number of, you know, even folks like myself who try to program as little as humanly possible. Um, I'm more of a documentarian, I guess. Well, you're a user. Users are important. And I'm sure that you're up to date on all of the latest uh, indie web plugins for WordPress, your chosen website. Oh, I am so up to date. It's it's funny. Uh, One of my hobbies for the listeners who may not have heard it before (laughs) is uh, annoying Chris by pointing out that he still has not updated the latest version of everything. It's going to be a security flaw pretty soon if you keep mentioning it. Somebody's going to find a flaw in, you know, post kinds version 2.4, whatever it is I'm running right now, and I'm going to have a problem. Well, I told um, you, I, the only solution I can think of now is to fly all the way out to Los Angeles and just fix it myself. Enforce it, yeah. No, sit in a room with you. Uh, we'll call it um, Indie Web Chris. Yeah. So how about well, this? You, I, I fly out there, I fix your website, and I go to Disneyland. You could do that too. I can't go to Disneyland with you. Well, um, we we could even if I decide to be extra crazy, we could do the Parkology challenge. We could, although I I had noticed too the other day, and I'm surprised you didn't potentially didn't run into it because I had noticed uh, Tontek Chelik mentioned the other day his Swarm account was totally disabled or uh, deleted I did, just gone. I did notice that. And as part of his research, he noticed they had a, uh, a posting limit or a rate limit on accounts that if you posted, I think the lowest one was more than you, if you checked in more than five times in two minutes, it was, would cause problems or flag your account. Um, but one of the ones that I, I I noticed the most was more than thirty check-ins in a single day. I think would ca- cause problems, and obviously I don't think you ran into that problem when you checked in more more than forty times in a single day. I'm not sure if, if I'm not mistaken, but maybe it was the spread out in the distance. Yeah, uh, that's possible too. And again, uh, I still have plans for next time. Uh, that I get into that sort of code trying to, instead of using swarm using it the opposite way around and just using their database. Yeah. But actually starting everything on my site, it's just uh, filling in the names of everything takes a lot of time. I like that. It suggests some stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially names and addresses are uh, terrifically painful to sit and manually type even on a mobile phone to, say, hey, I'm at this particular location. Well, and that works perfectly in Indigenous for Android. I really appreciate some of those features. Yeah. So if you actually look at my site, I did, uh, after the suggestions, I did actually customize some of the uh, text for location. So, for example, uh, there is actually one that says, I'm just looking for one I actually did customize. Uh, Here we are. Uh, I have the location at 9.30 
uh, p.m. Central Eastern, excuse me, Central European Standard Time, uh, that my location is EI-339, awaiting departure at Flughafen-Tegel. So uh, that was not automatic. I added the notation about where I was sitting. I figured that uh, the people at any um, location database could not tell that I was sitting on a plane waiting to depart. Yeah. Especially not uh, down to the plane. You know, some some airports I've seen Aaron and uh, Tontech ch- check in with gate-level accuracy. Yeah, because some people have created the gates as a location. I've tried that too, but yeah, um, I'd like to do a little more with it. Yeah. I mean, I, there have been times where I have retroactively gone in and added seat number and aisle location data to check-ins for movie theaters. Well, now that you can actually reserve seats in a theater, that's a lot more interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and usually when you're doing trips on planes, you know, most of the time, unless you're on Southwest or something, what your seat assignment is well before you're on the plane. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of check-in, since you have not updated the latest version, you cannot see that there's a new check-in icon. Oh, well, I'm going to have to cut the podcast short so I can do that right now. I was, you can see it on any site that's been updated like mine, um, but yeah. uh, but I was talked into putting in a new check on icon, so no more little pin. What's what's the new icon? It's a pin in a map instead of a just pin a pin. In a map, okay. Yes. That's like, and, and for those of us who want to stick with the old boring pin, we can't do that? Because that might be a reason to stay on the older, uh, older You can track. customize it, you just have to... Uh, create your own little customized plugin. Yeah. If you well, want, I'll tell you how a, to do that. As a, as I well know, because that's the reason I'm using an older version is I've so heavily customized bits and pieces. I need to uncustomize them. Well, I wrote you an entire gist explaining how to do it. Then fast forward and um, make sure the. Uh, uh, well, I, I'm more worried about even if I have the new ones, the I'm hoping I don't run into any data upgrade issue path problems. Theoretically possible. Um, and that's that's what I my a cu- couple of simple tests have run into thus far. But I think I think I've got a way around it. So we'll we'll get there. There's been a lot of uh, data upgrading in order to make sure that we're more compliant with microformat standards. Yeah. Uh, also, there, um, I did some things with uh, weather markup. See, I'm always surprised that despite the fact that uh, there are people who I keep talking to about weather, uh, I have not been able to have a good conversation going about how to properly mark your weather up. Well, I saw the start of a conversation with Kevin Marks, but I think the time time zone difference yeah. between the two of you. Yeah, but now uh, there is new markup on uh, weather. So if you actually look at a weather post now, anything that has the current weather conditions, mm-hmm. let's say my trip to a Portuguese chicken restaurant the other night, I'm just pulling it up so I can look at the markup. So uh, right now the the weather is actually embedded inside the location. Uh, this is on the theory that uh, weather is part of the location because if you're not there, it isn't raining or what have you. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Within there, it is marked up with the temperature, and the temperature is now an H measure, which contains the numerical and unit properties for it, so the 47 and the degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. 
Uh, same thing with any other property is now marked up as an H measure. So you're doing that rather than as an event? Because people often use the phrase a weather event. Well, to me, weather is a property of the location at that time. So since the post has a time and the weather is, is specific to that time, it's not an event. It's a property of the post, which has a time. Yeah, that makes sense. You can do it as an event, but an event within a post tends to indicate to other to people something else. Hmm, yeah. So that was my decision. Um, I also added some additional properties. I may add more. I had a little trouble figuring out what to display. So in the uh, updated sidebar widget for local conditions, I have the humidity in there and the visibility. Oh, nice. Well, I have all these properties. Um, I haven't figured out what to do with uh, rain accumulation and a few other things, but I'll get there. Yeah, so I'm looking at a version on mine because I just updated probably an hour ago as I was running around. You knew you were having a podcast with me. Um, And it it kind of is interesting to see the... Well, and as a side piece, too, there were one or two, I think, little quirks in the last update that changed some of the display... Yeah, I think I got them back. Um, they there got was a, tweaked back, which is which is a nice. You well, know, the problem side was too. that I I found out something that I didn't know, which is that uh, micro dot block has actually been coding to avoid problems generated by my icons. <laughs> uh, something called a fat wagoo. <laughs> what is a fat wagoo? Well, according to the IndieWeb Wiki, it's a embedded SVG image that depends on external CSS for its width. So if you embed a piece of it into another website, suddenly you get giant icons. Oh, so when I see when I see all those crazy SVGs and they're like the the size of my entire screen, it's that's because a fat, fat wagoo problem. Yeah, it is because somebody did not include the markup for it, uh-huh. specifically the CSS. So uh, what I ended up having to do was doing inline CSS that's overridden by external CSS. Oh, so I, the, does that mean that I need to? I probably then need to go in and look at some of mine because I noticed the the little triangle location icon that used to prepend ad- addresses and locations now seems to have disappeared on my site. Uh, it still it, should be there. It's it's now embedded as opposed to it's embedded. Well, it just may be embedded in such a small, tiny. I may have some. CSS hiding in there to yeah I changed how it make actually, it so small yeah I changed how it actually displays so the the oh I see actually, I see what it may be there's a I see a, on one of them it has a height of one point five rem correct and then then there's a I've got a margin right with a point oh one rem which may make it so small as to be I see the icon on your side. <laughs> Do you? I'm looking at it right now. Demo of Micropub dated April 27th has that has the icon. Huh. Well, I'm looking. I was looking at one from earlier today and just nothing. We'll figure. I'll figure it out. We won't troubleshoot it and bore everyone to death. But it's a, it's a nice little. But the the whole fat wagoo thing was uh, something I did not know about until somebody told me. And so the name fat wagoo, if I'm not mistaken, comes from the FAS Facebook. Twitter, Google, yeah. TWI, and then Geo, which are responsible for most of these things popping up all over the web. Yeah. So the 
thing was I spent a few days on that and that's when I started doing the markup and looking at the measurements because I wanted to completely change the way that I did the markup in order to make the external CSS work with the inline SVG. So, mm-hmm. so you know, every time I start one thing, I end up adding a few more things and then people say, well, why don't you do this? And then I stop and do that. So I keep going away from this bigger project that uh, is hard, so I don't feel bad stopping it. Well, give us a, a little snippet of what this bigger project entails, because I think this is something new you've started working on since last we spoke. In January, yes. Or last last we started podcasting. Well, it's, it starts with um, Matthias, and I'm always convinced I'm mispronouncing his name because I've never heard him say it out loud. But he's never Wait, corrected who, me. Who's, who's uh, this? The creator of the WordPress web mention plugin. Oh, you just, well, you just have to say it with your European accent. I don't have a European accent. Oh, come on. Give it a shot. Well, I've always said Matthias. But well, I know. Matthias or my, Matthias? Uh, my guess is most uh, most folks in in Europe would say Matthias. Okay. But he's never corrected me. He's heard me well, try to pronounce he's, it. He's too kind. And okay. and I, my understanding is that... Because you know, I remember he laughed the last time I said it. So I'll I'll try yeah. I'll try it another time, and we'll see if we can get him to laugh again. Well, I keep telling yeah. him that uh, the thing that would get me to definitely come to an indie web camp that I wasn't planning on coming to would be his presence, because he is one of the people I have not punched off of my indie web bingo card. Uh, the other oh, big yeah. one, the other big one is Kevin Marks. I have not landed a Kevin Marks sighting. Yeah, I think I, the, both of those two are missing from my. Bingo card as well. And when I'm talking about big, it's people who I've been corresponding with for five years now and have not met. Yeah. In person. Uh, well, you know, they're internet celebrities, let's be honest. Well, it's possible one of them will be at Indie Web Camp Brighton, and if it was not that weekend, if it was a different weekend, then I would go. Yeah. It's easy enough for me to get to London. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Okay. So you were, you're looking at Matthias Fefela's plug-in the original and what are you doing with it well how much do you know about the original well i know the original goes back some five odd years and it was written before the spec was even finished well the first commit let's see if we can find it let's see it consists of 435 commits how do you get to the end of a commit cycle Uh, does he have a release official releases uh he might the GitHub uh, may have a, at least there some... were twenty four releases of the plugin, and the first release, two point five point oh, two point four point oh, the first time he actually released it was two point four point oh. Now okay. he does have an MF two version uh, showing a tag uh, that was tagged in two thousand thirteen, and there have been four hundred and one. So sometime in two thousand thirteen would have been the first confirmed version. Hmm. So my point being, uh, he's, we've been at this for about six years. So when it started out, WordPress um, had pingbacks, it had trackbacks. And this is my version of the story, so I'm sure he, he is someone who was there, might have a different version of it. Uh, so in 2013, he created the first web mention plugin for WordPress. It was a single file, very simple. It was based on pingbacks. So he mm-hmm. took pingbacks, ripped out the pingback part, and replaced it with web mention. Yeah, makes sense. And to this day, it shows. 
so it shows that he took the design of a existing system and put a new system inside it, which is a good thing. Yeah, however, Made it easy to do. Six years later, it becomes apparent that trying to model after a system that WordPress has not updated in years that doesn't include functionality that they have added. Yeah. For example, when pingbacks were added to WordPress, there was no metadata for comments, so you couldn't add any more context around it. So us trying to do that actually hurt things to a degree. Now, it Mm -hmm. didn't hurt things and prevent things from working. They work. Um, But it limited us in that we tried to map everything to work like a pingback did, and it doesn't need to. Yeah, because very patently, web engines are not pingbacks. Yeah, so that's problem number one moving it away from working like a pingback. So working like an existing system and doing what it is. For example, uh, web mentions respect the option as to whether or not you want to allow web mentions or any type of ping to work. So if you install the web mention plugin, activate it, and you don't put in that you want pings to happen, then nothing will happen. It won't work. So why are we respecting that flag? If you installed the plugin, you want it to work. Exactly. Well, or, or, you know, how can you separate it so that I don't want to enable pingbacks, but I want web mentions that's, instead yeah, of that's probably, super sets of both. That's probably where I'm going to try to move it to say, okay, fine. You want this, but you don't want that. Yeah. So there are a few options there, but same with trackbacks. I have a, which one, which, which one's older pingback or trackback trackbacks older. Track- Trackbacks have no validation. So they they were the ones that became a spam target, and people sort of lumped pingbacks in. Pingbacks actually required you to do a little more. And where did refbacks come in that history? Were those the first? Uh, No, that just came because somebody mentioned it to me, and I just built it. Well, but they existed, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But they weren't widely implemented. Yeah. Okay. It's, It's the equivalent of monitoring your logs. It's not really a... A big thing. Anyway, so that was part number one. Now, in 2014, uh, semantic linkbacks split off of web mentions. So semantic linkbacks did all of the microformat stuff. So this is a second plugin that essentially sits next to or on top of the web mention plugin and really just makes the web mentions look prettier. Well, it does a bunch of things involving microformats parsing. So yeah. web mentions handles just the plumbing of web mentions. But if you look at the specifications for web mention, it actually talks about microformats. Does it? Well, let's go to the... Let's I thought they subtly were able to not do that, but almost every implementation of web mention uses some sort of semantic markup. Well, if and you I'm actually read, to... I'm going to read here. Uh Replacing the primary context of the host, for example, the name and or content of H-Entry. Update existing web mentions. Web mention update must support updating data from the pro- properties of the primary object of the source, e.g. properties of the H-Entry of the page. So H-Entry okay. itself is mentioned. So it's the only microformat that's mentioned, the H-Entry. Mm-hmm. So it is very subtly in there, but it's part of the specification that it works with microformats. Now, it doesn't not have to work with anything else. Yeah. But 
it's become apparent for several years, people would come and say, why are these two things separate? And for years, um, the answer that I sort of got, and again, this is my perspective on it, because I, I'm trying to sort of explain how we ended up where we are, in my opinion. Uh, the answer that he would always give me was that the web mention implementation was very neat, and the semantic linkbacks implementation was very hacky. Mm-hmm. Which is not inaccurate. So then we fast forward to ActivityPub. So he also wrote the ActivityPub plugin for WordPress. Are you using that on your site? I have been since the beginning of the year, I think, is when he started ramping up on it significantly. So one of the interesting things about it is that it uses a completely different storage methodology than WebMention. It stores the actual properties as the comment type. So instead of mm. right now, um, WordPress for web mentions actually makes the comment type web mention. Web mention is a protocol. It makes no sense as a comment type. Yeah. Uh, comment types are things like reply, like, what have you. So there's been a proposal on semantic linkbacks for a while to switch it and invert it. And finally, after the activity pub thing, I th- again, this is my impression of it, got, he got the idea that that would make more sense and that would make everything work neatly together and sort of reconsidered the idea of putting them in one Mm -hmm. place. Uh, Alternatively, um, it's just he may have gotten tired of me and other people saying that it was time to finally put them back together. So either it was fatigue or it was the realization from that. But uh, the the design that we sort of settled on was very similar to the activity pub design. So the type of comment is the semantic type. Yeah. So is this yeah. a reply, what have you, et cetera. So it's the post type. And there's just a property stored in it to say what the original protocol was. Was the protocol mm-hmm. activity pub, was the protocol web mention. Yeah. So that seems to be a better way to do it, but that requires a massive migration. You have to migrate everything to new locations. Yeah, we move all the data to So new, one of the requirements location. was that it, it has to migrate. So that's a big job in itself. Now, the other part of it is if the plugins were designed to operate as two separate pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can use web mention without semantic link backs yeah. and still have but something happen. There were a lot of limitations. The original version of the plugin was one file, and what would happen was it would read the web mention or the pingback, and then it would, for semantic link backs, it would read it again. So it was yeah. actually retrieving the HTML multiple times. I assume that's on your side. It is. Okay. Yeah, my WordPress site is sending me my weekly Sunday night uh, updates. <laughs> oh, your WordPress site sends you a notice to update it? Oh, that's nice of it. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> and, I, and I promptly ignore it. Yeah. But either way, uh, the whole fact that it was pulling sites twice uh, was a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I kept pushing for and it eventually got in was that not to happen. Uh, first, I closed a nine-year-old um, WordPress ticket about that exact issue. So WordPress started passing pingback data. Yeah. And then we used the same standard for web mention. It passes the data along, and again, if it's not used, it's just discarded when everything's written to the database. 
Okay. So there have been a bunch of improvements. Um, it started out as one gigantic file. One of the things I did a few years ago was split each part into its own file. So the receiver is in a separate file than the sender. Yeah. So everything, again, works together, but each part has its own piece. Makes it easier to read, makes it easier to work with. So I started asking the question, what does a new WordPress web mention plugin look like? If you are if you're trying to re-architect it to work in this integrated manner. So I started coming up with pieces that I felt needed to be built. So that's where you I end up now, which is on the lowest level piece. Yeah. So there were two choices. Um, there was some people who advocated, why don't you just put the two plugins together? Because you could put all the... It was actually designed that way, that you could take all of the files from semantic linkbacks, put them into the directory with web mentions, uh, make sure they all get loaded go. and it yeah. would work. Uh, but that is, that is not the plan. Not the most elegant code? Well, the plan is to do Perhaps. more of a stepped and phased approach. And this is the plan that I came up with. So um, some of it has been endorsed and some of it is still. So I'm bu- rebuilding parts of it. So the first part I'm trying to rebuild is the part that does the retrieval of remote sites. Okay. So the idea is that part would retrieve the remote site, it would parse it into microformats, and then hand it over to the display system. So by doing it that way, we can take one piece out of semantic linkbacks at a time. So it will no longer, ha- the, in the first stage, it would no longer handle any of the fetching. Yeah. And again, that's one piece. Then the uh, next one would, I have is avatars. So right mm-hmm. now, it finds avatars and then displays them. The display avatar code would just move into the web mentions repo, a new version of it. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to rip off pieces and move them into the web mention plug-in, but in a new and better way. So redesigning each piece as it goes in. Yeah. And it's easy. is it easier to do that a piece at a time than it would be to just write the whole thing from scratch? Well, again, writing the whole thing from scratch is equally hard because that's essentially what's being done. It's, it's using, yeah. reusing a lot of the existing code, but it's putting it into a different functionality. Yeah. I'm trying to write the pieces that where I could easily just connect the pieces up and make mm-hmm. sure things continue working through several iterations. Because remember, it has to be merged into the master and then pushed out to everyone. Yeah. So this is going to take a few versions to not break anybody's site. So merging in so that it starts using the microformats parser and it starts doing some of the parsing seems to be the first and logical way to start. And are you doing that with the library or are you building this in with some of the parsing work you've already done from the parse this library setup? Uh, Well, that was the other part of the discussion. I suggested it just to save a lot of time. However, uh, the feeling was that it's uh, a bit too heavy for what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So I'm using some ideas that came from that library, but it's going to be a much simpler implementation where I intend to design a hook if I wanted to replace it with a different parsing library, for example, parse this, I could with the one built in still handling a lot of Mm -hmm. lifting if it needed to. So this is one of those things where um, I like to, I like to design things like Ikea furniture. You can swap in another piece easily. Yeah. (laughs) But it's (laughs) Ikea furniture. I think it was Eli Whitney a couple hundred years ago came up with that idea. It wasn't Ikea, but I get what you mean. I'm sure that Eli Whitney never had his own Ekby Bajarpin. 
<laughs> he probably couldn't have said the word. Well, and I'm saying that as I sit in front of my now discontinued uh, Mikhail. Yeah. Uh, just a, a short distance from my Expedit and my Kallax. <laughs> You're a serious collector then, aren't you? Yes. Um, in fact, the computer that you are talking to me on is sitting on top of a Linmark connected to an Expedit. Oh, well, I feel so antiquated with my steel case here. Well, don't worry. They don't make the that combination anymore. <laughs> but either way, it means that if you don't like a piece, you can still sort of replace it without anything permanent happening. Yeah, or losing a step. That's and good. So I'm trying to design it that way, and this is not the first time I've done a lot of massive web mention work. But I've been rereading a lot of the web mention notes from the last few years. Yeah. Web mentions have sort of uh, not ha- lost as much attention as people have moved on to MicroPub and MicroSub. Yeah. And as you know, um, the Yarns MicroSub endpoint for WordPress is yes. hopefully nearing a 1.0 status. Yeah, we're super excited for that. Yeah, but one of the things that has to be done is the parsing code needs to be updated because apparently there's a slowdown in feed fetching. So how useful for me that I happen to be in the middle of thinking about fetching remote sites and parsing them in a different plugin. I can work on both problems mentally at the same time. Yeah. It's all about parsing. Yeah. Well, again, two different parsing libraries, uh, same idea. Well, which do you get the most value out of web mentions or, or micro pub? Well, remember, um, because you're you're not currently using any micro sub readers, are you? You're ho- you're holding no. out until there's one you can host yourself. I could host Aperture if I wanted to, but I wanted to encourage Jack Jameson, who's working on the yarns thing, and there are several reasons for that. One, I want one in WordPress because everything I else I have is in WordPress except Compass, which I installed it in New Haven because I didn't feel like building it. Mm-hmm. And I had a product I can install, but I want to continue to do that. So it's using the parse this code, which I pulled out of Postkinds, which does all of the presentation work there and finds details and rejiggered into being able to handle RSS and being able to handle JSON feed. Um, a lot of different websites. I tried to throw as many things as I could at it. Mm-hmm. So I keep tweaking it based on people finding me edge cases that don't work properly. And there's sort of an interesting difference between it and the closest equivalent, which is X-Ray, which is the Aaron Parecki uh, library that does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his is faster than mine, but mine goes to a more insane extreme in some cases. So I try to... F- He's made some very targeted decisions about what to pull out. I just try to pull out everything. Mm, which okay. goes back to, I may have to make some tough decisions because uh, it's been pointing out that it can be a bit slow. Yeah. Or you you do a smaller subset for the reader. Yeah, well, there's a bunch of optimizations I might want to do. And again, yeah. uh, since I'm looking at the same sort of thing for web mentions, which is how do I retrieve, how do I quickly get a presentation-worthy output, both of those things work hand-in-hand, hand, so I'm going to pause because that's his next stumbling block. So I paused a few times on other things I was working on in order to clean up those stumbling blocks. So is the goal then to have a Yarns version 1 by the Summit in Portland? If we're lucky. 
Okay. So I'm going to continue to try to tweak the parsing code. Um, when he got stuck on the endpoint code, I helped out with that a bit. And what is your most recent experience with uh, the master of yarns on fresh installs? It works. Is it generally works with no... Except for the feed fetching problem he identified that I have to fix. Okay. So, so I can, the problem I is can, feed fetching. I can download it and tinker around currently and yeah, it is start, functional. Write, start uh, writing early documentation. On there were, early on, there were some functionality issues. Uh, it still seems to have a problem with, uh, last I checked, with Together. But mm. I have it constantly polling Aaron Parecki's all feed, which is the most active feed I have, as well as uh, Greg McVeary's feed. So I picked two really active feeds for it to keep polling, and it seems to be doing pretty well with it. Does this mean I need to start posting more? Man. Uh, maybe. Why do you want you want to be in my test? Well, you know, if you're using them to stress test something, I... You know, I feel like I'm falling behind, slowing down on the job if I'm not posting more often. Although Greg posts a lot, I have to set out separate time in my week to catch up on all of his posts. Yep. And I was experimenting with pulling additional content and using Granary, which is capable of doing a bunch of different types of sites. So I keep trying to make it so that it can pull everything in and then look at it in either Monocle or Indigenous for Android, since I'm still having trouble figuring out why Together doesn't work, and I'm leaving that uh, problem yeah. alone for now. And have you tried it with other other pieces that are out there? I'm trying what to think of which other ones there are besides. What other pieces? It seems like, well, it seems like there's a few others that are, or a few other readers. Although you're not an Apple person either. Nope. So you're not using Eddie's. Uh, no, but uh, I followed it enthusiastically. Which is also kind of another big piece of, you know, when he announced it, it was a, a very... Um... He's uh, he's gotten rid of uh, Indigenous. He's replacing it with uh, multiple separate pieces. Yeah, three three different pieces that essentially do what Indigenous did or pieces of what Indigenous did. Whereas Indigenous for Android will remain. It is not splitting yeah. up. Which again has its pros and cons, but... Uh, I'm just happy because I can get things into Indigenous for Android by just suggesting them. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're using it at the forefront and well, um, it's worked interesting in or better things it could do. It work. It works in both directions. It's a feature gets put in, and I support it, and I build a feature and convince him to support it. Yeah, and so then suddenly a thousand more, people are using it. Well, it does more exotic stuff than the others about location. It supports location visibility, which isn't really supported by anybody else. Yeah. Uh, it supports polling your endpoint to get the actual location of the location, although it doesn't yet do uh, venue search. Yeah. One of these days I will build venue search into the back end and then convince him to do the front end for me. Yeah, that'll be good. And my guess is that'll happen probably just at the point where you've run out of everything else to do except upgrade post kinds for Gutenberg. I don't know if that's going to happen so quickly. Wink, I really wink, don't nudge, like nudge. Gutenberg. <laughs> I've tried. I've I've really just tried to wrap my mind around how I might want to do that. It yeah. just doesn't fit in. Articles fit in very well into Gutenberg, but when you start talking about how do you do a note in there, how do you do something else, it just isn't conducive to it. Yeah. So I thought about creating a customized note posting UI. So you would click you wanted to post a note and it would give you a different display. 
just a simple yeah. strip down, just a box. Which is all you really need. Yeah. Well, same thing for some of the others. It would it would look very similar to Quill in, built inside of Android. So if you said you wanted to post a check-in, it would be a customized check-in interface. But again, mm-hmm. that would be another big project, and I'll save that for after my current big project. Yeah. Since I keep stopping my current big project to do other things, um, I did do one for all the people who wanted to exclude things from their feed on WordPress who were annoyed that they couldn't just customize it by the kinds they wanted. So give me, give me an example. So if I like... Well, uh, uh, right. if I'm doing on, a lot of eat posts and I don't want to clutter up my primary feed with oh, no, everything I've eaten, I haven't done anything with primary feeds. So right now, um, if you want to, you can go sla- um, slash kind slash note to get notes or slash kind slash note comma, let's say check in to get notes and check ins. But what if you wanted to do it in reverse? You wanted the all feed, but you wanted to exclude specific kinds. You can do slash exclude slash kind and then the slash the type, or there's also a query parameter, and it works for feeds. Okay, but so it works for those kinds only, but not for the let's say the traditional home home page feed. And uh, I'm guessing no. because you'd have to have a separate, um, well, a separate play, loop for that. Playing with the with the main loop is something I was trying to avoid. Yeah, but right now with this, if um, the next thing that I might do at some point in the future is make it so that you can actually have a customized feed. So if you take your main feed off of the main page, yeah, which as you notice I've done, then you'd be able to substitute this other feed, and I may do a little playing with that to make it discoverable. Yeah, you know, add the link so that uh, RSS readers and JSON feed readers would find it. Yeah, I think I've got, I've probably got a half a dozen discoverable feeds hiding in my header. Well, um, if you look, um, PostKinds now actually supports that also. They're not hiding in the header, but if you actually um, put the feed widget in, it will mark it up as feed. Wait, which which feed widget where? You don't have that yet. Oh, okay. Insert guilt here. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I, I know it exists. Yeah, so I'm playing the, a little bit of devil's advocate for. So there's a there are two widgets that were added for the other our, half of our readers who still you know are lost from 20 minutes ago. There are two widgets that are now built into Postkinds. One is a, a list of feeds widget, and again, if you put that on, all the feeds that you show there will show up as feeds, so they can be discovered. And the other one is, of course, uh, recent posts in a specific category. So you can get your recent articles list or your recent check-ins list in a sidebar yeah. widget. Well, that's good. Well, people ask for it. And some and guy that's, created this really and that, gigantic... And, and that uh, fixes the issue with titleless posts? Uh, titleless posts have actually been fixed for a while uh, in two ways. Um, there were a few problems. Um, most po- of the post kinds are not supposed to have a title, an explicit title. So a reply doesn't need an explicit title. Um, a check-in doesn't need one. So there's now code in PostKinds that if there is no explicit title, uh, both in the admin and in the widgets, it will just display an excerpt of the actual post. So you can actually figure out what it's talking about. Yeah. Now, in order to make it so, in the back end, in order to make it so you can realize that's what's happening, it puts a little symbol next to it indicating that that's what it did. So it's a little yeah. diamond symbol. And the other part of it was that uh, people were 
annoyed with the permalinks that were being created as using these generic posts. Mm-hmm. You know, like po- post uh, 6045. <laughs> Mine's in the hundreds of thousands somewhere now, which yeah. you know, so if makes you write, those numbers really hard to remember. <laughs> so if you write a post now and there, it will suggest a slug that is based on what you wrote in the post. Yeah. Or even if it's a, you know, let's say a reply to somebody else, it's a reply to, and then the, their posts. Yeah. That title is, and who wrote it or something like that, that would be is, useful. Right now it's doing content only. Yeah. It was keyed to be able to do more, but I started very simple with it because uh, the first version did cause some problems. Yeah. It was trying to rewrite people's uh, permalinks after they posted them. Uh, yeah. That's can that sometimes be tough. Yeah. But again, everything improves over time. So, just good. No, it's you know, I don't feel so bad being behind because I have run across some sites in the last week, even that still are not you know not doing any of those things. So I know they're running a version or two behind as well. Yeah, well, there's a lot more going on, and I keep adding little things uh, with every version. So the exclude was probably the last, uh, not a gigantic feature, but the last requested feature that I just sort of dropped dropped everything and built. And part of it was that I had a bunch of people asking for it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't exactly what any of them wanted. They wanted to exclude it from the main feed. I compromised and did it a slightly different way. So there's yeah. now so now there are a bunch of secret rewrites written into post cons. There's the on this day. There's the ability. And I think that's new since January, since we spoke last, or maybe that may, may no, have been no, one almost, of them. No, I think I did that at the end of last year. Yeah, uh, but that one's in there. So if I went and looked to see, went to my site and went. Yeah, you're right. I think we did talk about that in the last episode for today. Let's see. So on this day would work. So on this day, May twentieth, May twentieth, two thousand seventeen, RSVP attending Indie Web Summit two thousand seventeen. Uh, May twentieth, two thousand fifteen, hanging around at the second homebrew website club New York City meeting at forty first and eighth. So that happened on this day. Yeah. May 20th, although it is still May 19th for you. Yes, it is. On May 19th, I RSVP'd that I was attending Indie Web Camp Utrecht retroactively. Yep. Oh, that's one of the things you've actually built on your site in the last week. What? You, you now have a page that lists all of the camps you've attended. That wasn't built so much as assembled. Well, it's, it's a feature. Yeah, so my website, if you go to slash indie webcams, actually does have a page that I painstakingly created with a list of all 24 of the indie webcams I've attended or remotely participated in, starting from Indie Webcamp New York City 2014 to Utrecht as a remote participant. So you, you just hand, you hand wrote it yeah. in HTML rather than creating a collection post? I, didn't, I wrote the page out as an article. Actually, okay. it's a page on the site. So it is not a collection post because I didn't actually, um, I suppose I could retroactively go back and RSVP to Indie Web Camp New York City 2014. I did retroactively do that for a few events, but um, I'd have to go back and actually put all the RSVPs in. Yeah. Because I didn't add RSVPs to my site until well after that. Okay. So it would sort of change the historical record a little. Uh, but the other thing I well, did was... Well, it doesn't was, change the historical record because you RSVP'd on the original website, so you could um, but, reverse syndicate. But what I did actually do 
is I went and found the group photos from all of those events that at least the ones that I found myself visible in and added a picture of every single event and I'll nice. continue to I'll continue to update that but it goes all the way to Indie Web Camp Berlin cuz I don't appear in the picture for Dusseldorf or Utrecht cuz I was not physically there. And what was the number? 14? Uh what the number of Indie Web Camps total? Yeah. 24. Oh, 24. Well. <laughs> uh now uh four of those were remote participants. Yeah. And two of them were online. So that would be 18 physical attendances. That's not bad, my friend. Yeah, I do not have uh, visual proof that I attended IndieWeb Camp New York City 2016 because I was only in person on the first day and I could only find a picture from the second day where I was remote. Yeah. Because that was when the entire IndieWeb Camp got snowed in. Well, I would have to think that... um, And didn't you... Well, didn't you at least partially organize that one? Uh, Yeah, but I was snowed in on the second day and then it got held over for a third day. That's how bad the snow was. Oh, geez. Yeah, well. I'm guessing the fact that you pick up and you fly to as many foreign and domestic camps. I went to two Berlin events, but that was the first time I'd gone to one outside of the country. No one's going to even think about guessing that you would miss a camp in your very own backyard. I couldn't get off my block. (laughs) They actually plow in, in some parts of New York City, but not in mine. Yeah. Oh, geez. But it was fun to do, and I, I do have a follow-up one that I want to do where I want to look through some of the talks and various uh, sessions that I was involved in or some of the ones I wasn't involved in. Mm-hmm. So I want to read the description of every single session that's gone on, at, at the very least at all of the indie web camps I attended. Yeah. So I want to well, revisit. Been, I want to revisit old issues. I've been digging through some of it in part... Both Gregor Love and I have been adding categories to bits and pieces of past camps. Um, well, I was reading, when you read parts of the wiki, you find all sorts of interesting things. Uh, for example, I was reading the page on web mention brainstorming. Yeah. Which, again, has a lot of things that were talked about but never implemented. And there's a section here that says that there was a discussion between Tantec, uh, Sandra Hawk, and Shane Becker about what to store uh, for a web mention. Apparently, one night after Indie Web Summit 2016, which I was at, and I probably just wasn't there for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I was, and I just don't remember it. That's uh, possible. But it says one night after. Yeah. So who knows when the... Uh, so there was this discussion about what to store, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm trying to improve a web mention endpoint. Why don't I look at what was discussed then? Yeah. So should you store the sending status of outgoing web mentions? And there were all these sort of questions that are raised by this, and there are all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. So um, the wiki is a wealth of information, but it's just a lot of it. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to do was to sort of say, okay, fine, there are all these ideas we've had over the years. Maybe I want to look at a few of them and see, is there something that we never actually did? For example, uh, endorsements. That one came up in New York twice, and nobody built the thing. But how can you do it so that if you did want to build that, making it later would be an easier 
an yeah. easier thing to do. Well, for me, I just wanted to sort of collate some of the ideas that uh, were discussed that didn't go anywhere. I'll give you another one, and I meant to file a ticket, and it's on my list of crazy, insane things. But since you're thinking about doing this off in the future, I've noticed a very small, subtle thing in both sending and receiving web mentions. There are some there are some cases where I'll write a response to a post and then save it as a draft, but save it as a draft at a date and time of when I wrote it rather than when I physically published it. And occasionally I'll do it for reasons either of privacy or, you know, I want to keep it for myself, but not actually put it out in public or at some later date, I may put it out in public, but I've noticed that if I, within WordPress, send web mentions to other WordPress sites a day or two after the fact, at the time when I either, let's say I, I read one of your posts last week and I saved it as a draft at the t- date and time that I physically read it, which is a piece of data I may want to know off in the future. And then this week I come around and I actually post it. If I'm not mistaken, the way WordPress handles it, that web mention is date and time stamped at the time I made it a week ago rather than the day today that I would have published it, which means in your dashboard, if you've seen 500 other notifications since then, you won't see the fact that I put it on there. It would read the published date of the post. So if the published date of the post was a week ago, then it would do that. So, but it'll, it won't, in your notifications, it's going to show up on your dashboard, but it may be two pages back. So you won't, it won't be as obvious. Whereas in other implementations on trying to think about a good example, um, uh, maybe Gregor's implementation. If I did that, his system will postmark it and stamp it as having been published today, where it'll show up in his comment section as having happened today on the date and time stamp rather than a week ago. So there's a subtle difference yeah. in. Well, that, remember, that's what I'm looking at rebuilding. Yeah. And you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback. Um, oh, well, that's why I'm mentioning it. Is yeah, I, well, I can go back and backdate things, and then when they show up in someone's feed, they'll show up as... Well, you know comments do not have an updated date in WordPress? Yes, that I'm aware of, which is uh, kind of a weird thing, I think. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot... Um, if you actually go and look at the WordPress track tickets, there's some strange guy who proposed that such a field be created. Perhaps, you know, him. yeah, I, I got, well, I, I spent a long time this week reading some back tickets on the track. Uh, did you get that one? <laughs> and, uh, I think I saw that one. I think, yeah, I, but I'd until have to then, double check, but, uh, it would have to be done inside the plugin, but yeah. it's on the list of possibilities for enhancement. I know. I know I read at least three or four track tickets relating to comments and comment systems and kind of rebuilding comments to more closely follow things like, you know, posts. 
Yeah, well, there were there were a bunch of things that I suggested for 5.3 for them to consider that they won't. Yeah. Including those. So they asked for an open call for tickets, and I tried to convince them to work on comments, because comments have not gotten very much love lately. That... Or even even the privacy issue with uh, Gravatar and yeah. you know, local I... avatars. Yeah, I've... That's a nine-year-old issue, I think, also. But, Which I, I find I find kind of odd, and there's, you know, honestly, a, a much better indie web version of doing that because I, and I, but I don't know how to get quite get around it because I have an image of myself that I use in several places that's in my root folder with a name, some a simple name like logo.jpg or something. And it would be nice if I could use that as my default yeah. uh, URL so that I can have a permalink to the, the image that I want to serve up. I ha- I've had some ideas about that that I wanted to experiment with. Rather than relying on Gravatar and changing my email address or the photo related to my email address. It's on my list somewhere. But for now, um, avatar handling is one of the things I want to improve in WebMention. In fact, it was one of those things I thought about too because I noticed, uh, or I think um, Ryan Barrett noticed that uh, Twitter had changed some of the old permalinks that they used for Twitter avatars that they quit supporting uh, that would have let you kind of force a simple way to update your photo in multiple places all at, all at once just by using a, a, a permalinked photo who'd have thunk yep. you know i have something like that in mind but i also uh, ended up in this discussion of how to update photos at indie webcamp berlin to the point at which um the all of the notes on it were written down on a uh, gigantic poster sized piece of paper which i folded up put into my suitcase and brought home Mm-hmm. And it's sitting here in the living room. I have not transcribed it into a computer. It will sit here annoying me. A giant piece of <laughs> poster paper until I actually build it. Yeah. Well, just take a photo and upload it. Throw it into the session. Yeah, but what I'm saying, it wasn't a session. We It was a discussion over pizza. Oh, okay. But so I intend a, to a, keep that piece of paper until I build the system noted on it. A back of the napkin. Well, you may as well at least transcribe the notes and throw it as an impromptu session that way somebody else can benefit from uh, it. The idea is subscribing to people's H card using WebSub. That's interesting. So if your photo, fo- um, specifically it was to your, um, your photo. Mm-hmm. So if you subscribe to the photo using WebSub, then you'd be notified when the photo changed and then you'd be able to update your version of the photo if you cached it. Okay. Uh, but I have not built anything with WebSub, although it is quite possible I'll be involved with that because yarns could use it. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things since yarns is going to if people start putting in more than a few days worth of feeds yarns is going to uh, be a serious resource issue oh yes uh so there have to be ways to offload some of that to other services so one of them is yarns is constantly pulling on a schedule Mm -hmm. um eventually that's going to have to be replaced with a web sub idea yeah so then you could have something like super feeder if you're willing to pay or a third-party service you install somewhere else just polling and being notified when things happen and then triggering the site to update instead of you having to do it the other way around. Yeah. But again, for the future, but for now it's uh, getting a little late. and uh, It's later for me than it is for you. 
So it is yeah, I was sitting here thinking, like, yeah, we've been chatting for a while. This may be our first four-hour episode. Actually, we've had longer. This is only an hour and 14 minutes of recording. And once we compress it a little, it may come down to the hour mark. Give or take. But, okay. you know, it's nice. We sit around, we talk, uh, we put it up on the internet and let people listen to what we're talking about. Well, are there any big, massive changes since we spoke last in January that we should highlight? Of something I did? Yeah, or that that have happened in general. Well, uh, you know, there's been some, there has been anything earth shattering really lately. I mean, we, we mentioned briefly the Cal Newport article that popped up in the New Yorker on Saturday morning, which mentioned that, uh, the, the indie web and the techno utopians who dwell in it. Yeah, as well as um, uh, micro dot blog, and um, I think he had a little bit of discussion there as well on Mastodon. Yeah, I think there was the, there was a subsequent discussion as to whether or not Mastodon is IndieWeb. Yeah. Uh, the simple truth is Mastodon is sort of IndieWeb adjacent. Yes. It's the similar philosophy of you can host something and have control over it, but most people who are involved in a Mastodon instance are not self-hosting. Yes. So, Although it would be kind of cool if you could sign up to... You know, an instance like, you know, Mastodon.social is the kind of primary... Uh, instance that Garen uh, hosts. But if you could sign up to that and use your own domain name uh, and have it mapped on your behalf, then yeah, that well, totally would completely make it an indie web. I know there uh, have been, I know there have been some those who have tried to get indie web things done, but I don't think it's yeah. really taken. Well, and most notably being a web mention not existing. Although, um, in late 2016, I think um, Kevin Marks was pretty successful in getting microformats thrown in there, so it is at least somewhat compatible and IndieWeb-friendly on that front. Yeah, well, um, but the only thing I could think of is, you know, the community is moving towards more micro-sub stuff, more micro-pub stuff. And, you know, well, notice with all that going on, I'm going back to WebMention, which is the oldest of the community protocols, and redoing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Um, I don't know what parts of that project will take off, but uh, the only other thing I've done lately, I know, um, may have affected you, was trying to fix IndieAuth um, so that it told you if uh, your site didn't support it, because so many people were really annoyed by the fact that it wasn't working the way they expected. Yeah, and in part too, because they were trying to use it to log into Microsoft readers and servers. Yeah, but all of them were, they were getting these, oh, this isn't working. And they were blaming, let's say, Aaron. Yeah. And Aaron had nothing to do with it. Also, technically, I had nothing to do with it. But Yeah, no, it's but their now, host. In, yeah, but now IndieAuth sort of tells you, and there's a new feature in 5.2 Site Health that I may add in too, where it would actually run it during the Site Health check. Yeah. And say, your site doesn't support this, so it won't work. Yeah, I think uh, I've got two sites that don't support it, and I have to actually need to talk to my host to figure out what the issue is. But then I have two or three other sites that actually do support it pretty well out of the box. So Yeah. I also have something that I started on but decided to put aside in favor of the web mention project until I got stalled on it. Yeah. Which is improved scoping. Which I think I mentioned to you because this is security risk. Yes. So there is a theoretical risk that your um if your endpoint doesn't properly implement security that's um you could do something that uh, the scope suggests you shouldn't be able to do. Uh, but almost. that's 
oh, we'll man. stop there so as not to. Well, it's only an issue on multi-user sites. So most people running MicroPub are actually single-user sites. So it isn't. Yeah. But it isn't. A yeah, secu- it isn't a security bug per se. It just um, it's not as granular as I'd like it to be. Yep. So right now, and there's this whole there was this whole discussion about it. All of the scope management is handled by the actual endpoint. So MicroPub and MicroSub are handling their own scoping. Mm-hmm. Instead, right. I sort of want that scoping to be handled by the IndieAuth plugin, except for the fact that the IndieAuth plugin is optional in both of those systems. Right. So in order to make it work that way, I would have to build a library that could be included in either MicroPub or MicroSub for people who do not want to self-host their IndieAuth endpoint. So I have to build yeah. a version of, a, of software that I don't intend on using in order to make other people happy. <laughs> well, everything's a compromise. Well, sec- supporting security is always the right thing to do, though. So, Yeah, and as I said, it's not really a, secu- a high-level security issue. Yeah. It's a theoretical security issue because it relies on a bunch of things happening that are unlikely to happen, but I still want to improve it. Yeah. It also is a better implementation of the code, so probably deprecate the old version. Yeah, that always works. Oh, I know one other thing we should mention, too, and I don't know if you've uh, decided to participate or not. What is that? Um, But I saw a week and a half ago, uh, Mike Montero has written a new book called Ruined by Design. Oh, the book club you started. That is uh, very uh, indie web and design-based in flavor. And we've there's a bunch of us have been talking about doing an indie web book club for ages and ages. Well, I'm still trying and, to figure out how that ends. When so do I have I, to read the book by? So I made an initial post so people could go out and acquire it, think about it, start reading it. I actually wanted to kind of wait and to see if we couldn't get a few more people to join. Uh, Montero is coming to my hometown of Pasadena this week on the 23rd. Um, so I wanted to wait until we've started at least around that time when he'll have given a talk and 40 local people will have also bought the book. Um, I do have, a but I figured the, the book, the best way to start an indie web book club was just to actually do it and see what happened. Um, so folks still have a, a few minutes to get a copy of the book, start reading it. And then we will, you know, I'm, you don't even need to wait. You can start, you know, doing status updates, quotes, highlights, talking about the book on your own website. But we've started a stub on IndieWeb.xyz, which one can fairly simply and easily syndicate to via web mention, even manually. Um, there's a way to do that. So or using you, some plugins. Don't even if you don't have a means of sending or receiving web mention yet, you can still participate in a pretty simple manual process. Um, but hopefully, in the next week here, we'll get ramped up on that and start some hopefully substantive discussions about how design can be important in what we're doing here in the indie web. Well, I look forward to reading more of it. I did look, read the intro. So, I get to whip out my Kindle. Woo-hoo. I think actually, I somehow I picked up a an EPUB version of it, so I've been reading it on my Android phone. 
Well, I have it on my Android phone my as well, but I do actually have a Kindle version. Yeah, I need to. I guess I need to throw it in and convert it to a a Mobi file version, so I can read anywhere. But I'm two or three chapters into it already. So either way, if you're interested in joining that, just read the book, talk about the book, yeah. post about the book. Yeah, exactly. And next time, Gordon Corman. Yeah, we should do a Gordon Corman themed IndieWeb book club. Uh, for those of you who have not been paying attention, uh, one of the running jokes between Chris and myself is our mutual love of young adult book author Gordon Corman. Although I really should pick up some of his newer stuff because I only am familiar with his classic. Yeah, I don't. I just can't. I don't know. I, somehow I can't find find it in myself to become a fan of like the Thirty Nine Clues series or whatever that thing is. And I, I think he's written one or two for and. I don't know. I'm a bigger fan of his 80s material. Me too. That's why recently on a plane I was rereading the classic Don't Care High and Semester in the Life of a Garbage Bag. Yep. And you know I was doing this because I was sending quotes to you as I did. (laughs) From 30,000 feet. Not on the way back. The Wi-Fi wasn't working. Yeah. Things happen. Anyway, until next time, we will once again record this podcast, hopefully not as long as this time. And if not, let's see if it is before or after the IndieWeb Summit, which is the last weekend in June of this year in Portland, Oregon. If you're not going to be there, then you will miss all the fun summiting that we will be doing. Uh, If you are not able to get there because you live in Europe, um, there is an alternative European event that's going on. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Oh, the uh, Amal? Uh, Yes. So it's not just a George Clooney's wife reference. It's actually not. Okay. Uh, so apparently there will be a simultaneous event going on in a mall hosted by a community member who lives in that area. And apparently there will be exciting activities like, uh, what was it moose spotting or something? Yeah, like something. That. something about moose. And as we started off the episode, you, can expect there will be some interesting uh, live streaming uh, remote participation options, regardless of your uh, yeah. location. I'll have to finish building them, so uh, the rest of my parts are coming uh, tomorrow. So are we going to try and do one more episode before then, or just after? I hope before then. Or maybe a live epi- streamed ep- episode from... Well, we talked about it last year, and we never actually sat down and recorded anything. If we can pull it off. Well, we'll we'll try. So uh, until the next episode, whenever that is. Well, and, you know, if if folks want to, I I don't think we've ever entertained questions before. But there's no reason one couldn't post a question on their own website and, uh, and, and ping the podcast. Not only that, if you have some sort of topic you'd like us to discuss, um, we're happy to ramble on. Notice we ramble on a lot about uh, random stuff and often what I'm working on or what Chris Mm -hmm. is working on. Maybe we should pick a topic or if somebody wants to suggest a topic. Okay. I've seen a lot of people lately wondering about um, micro.blog and what it is and how it works and how it fits into the bigger indie web of things. So maybe maybe we should, well, we, we need to invite Manton on to talk about that. Do something like that. We could have our first guest. Yeah, I had three people in the last two days or since the New Yorker article came out 
asking about what micro.blog is and how does it fit into the bigger picture. So then maybe we do need to record that sooner rather than later and invite somebody who knows about it. (laughs) I'm not saying neither of us know about it, but we could have our guest and that would be exciting. Exactly. So until next time, because it is much later for me than it is for Chris because on Pacific time and I'm not, and they do expect me to teach class in the morning. Yes. Good night to all, and uh, we will once again resume this in the future. Good night, David.